Oh, to test record. Test so, two. Test two. So it's not really showing volume. I mean, all that it, yeah. I think is controlled through here. So we can we would be able to turn down our volume after we're editing. Okay. Using. Why don't I think we put this, this as the intro? Well, this, just this conversation we just this, had. Right now? Yeah, just, we, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. We can do that. You know what we can do? We can... I mean, I've been playing with it. We can do it, but... Uh, I'm worried about it. Okay. I just want to make sure I get our Twitter handle right, so... Because I'm going to mention that about 27 times. I got it. The role players. The role players. Check us out on Twitter. Become our fifth follower. And uh, <laughs> we will give you a... Good day, ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, boys and girls, senior citizens, mm-hmm. and infants and those alike. Cats, dogs, birds, pets. Pets? Anything but... Uh, Anybody and everybody. Anything but possums and chipmunks, man. Those are a little, little annoying. I hate chipmunks. Yeah. Uh, Thanks well, for coming back, y'all. Hey, guys. Welcome back. We are the Role Players. Mm-hmm. I am Arthur Mosley and my good friend... Daniel Allen. And this is week four, episode four of the Role Players. As always, you can find us on Twitter at... That is the at sign on your phone. And if you're on your keyboard, it's shift in the number two. But at the Role Players, R-O-L-E-P-L-A-Y-E-R... Yes, and then the number one, and um, I like you giving the instructions for them on, on how to find the at sign on their keyboard. Just for shifting, you giving the shortcuts well, and everything. You know, we might have some uh, more seasoned listeners in our 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 listening audience who <laughs> has some issues. Like my dad would not know where to find the at sign. Yeah, it's helpful. So anyway, uh, welcome back, guys. A uh, big week, man. Huge week. It, it is like Huge we, are, we are on the doorstep of of college football tomorrow night. Uh, mm-hmm. Really kicks off the weekend for college football uh, with some what we would consider meaningless games tomorrow right. night, unless you consider the number two team. In but the meaningful game. teams, right. right. Last weekend we had some games, and I watched some of them at Colorado State, beat Oregon State, but it, it still didn't feel, you know, it still felt like a preseason. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, 90 degrees outside and they're playing college football. It yeah. kind of doesn't... This is the official start to me. So Thursday, big, Saturday. So big weekend, obviously, and especially in Atlanta, um, you know, something that we won't talk about, but Atlanta's like the mecca of stuff this weekend with Dragon Con... Uh, also coming. Are you going? Are you gonna I, dress up? I do not dress up. I've <laughs> never been down there. I, I hear about it all the time. It is a very interesting um, environment, Dragon Con. Yeah, it's a, and a, a funny meeting of, of two different worlds with with the Roll Tide, the Bama fan, you know, and the and the hardcore college football fans, and the Dragon Con, you know, that that whole group. There might be some, you know, people. People that are fans of both, you know, Dragon Con fans that like college football. For the most part, that's not really what you think of. So it's funny having those two different groups descending on Atlanta you the mean, same weekend. You might get some Dragon Con Alabama fans confused as Dragon Con fans. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes, that's true. Or possibly some Tennessee fans confused as as. But and then there might be some Georgia Tech fans that are there just for Dragon Con and not for the game. So. Oh, about a significant portion, yeah. Absolutely. So it's a lot. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. But that's what makes Atlanta Metro Atlanta so great is just the diversity and the the, the events that come to town. So mm-hmm. we are grateful for, you know, Dragon Con. But most importantly, we're grateful for college football mm-hmm. this weekend. So. But that said, we got a few games to get into. We won't jump into that yet because there's a couple of other news items, and we won't we won't stick with we won't linger because we want to get our opinions out in the open. Um, and and once again, this is just a conversation between two dudes who uh, are role players. We do the blocking and tackling. We box out. Yeah. Uh, we dive Come in, hit a three, play yeah. some D. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. Got to fill the void. So. So we're going to talk about last week, man. I won't give it the, the whole show away, but um, last week we did have a contest. It was like the mm-hmm. first 
contest and for free money. Free money. Yeah. I don't know how many people made it to the end to hear the contest and, uh, and what was required, but one person did. One person did. Now, we had to check the eligibility eligibility of this person because I we for full disclosure disclosure this person is a relative of mine mm-hmm. uh, some days when we were younger I would like to say I wish he was a distant relative but he, <laughs> but he's but he wasn't um, but we do have a winner mm-hmm. Jeremy Mosley uh, tweeted us and even included a, an Obama drop the mic graphic in his answer yeah that was a confident very confident move, yeah, yeah. Very confident move by Mr. Mosley, and so Jeremy Mosley wins the twenty-five dollar Applebee's gift card. And Jeremy, thanks for playing. Uh, we will get that out to you in the mail shortly. Six o'clock was the answer. Yes. What time does Grave Street rock? Six o'clock. It's six o'clock. Yeah. <sighs> that was so easy too. That was that's easy money for him. So we'll probably we'll do more of those. Probably not every week, but. Uh, maybe once a month, yeah, something like something. once a quarter, something like that. We'll we'll have more opportunities. So keep keep listening, keep your ears out, and and next time around it could be you. Now, Daniel, before we jump into the show, man, um, we 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 picked up a couple more Twitter Twitter followers. So at this mm-hmm. rate, uh, we want to get to twenty five thousand, right? Twenty five or twenty five thousand? Yeah. Yeah. So at this rate, uh, in twelve thousand five hundred weeks, we we will have reached our goal. So tell your friends. I know there are more than you know two hundred people on Twitter that would love to hear us. Yeah, banter. Well, not even banter because it's not banter. It's no, it's, a, it's just a dialogue. It's a, yeah, it's um and and it's not. I mean, we we try to. We'll do it more, but it's not like every tweet is just going to be us and a link to us and everything. So we try to, to retweet, you know, relevant news, uh, things like that. So you'll get more than just links to me and Art talking. You know, you'll get, you'll get articles, opinions, things like that. I uh, doubt we'll ever be the people breaking huge news. I don't think never we know. have the sources you for that. Know. But you never know. Yeah, we'll re- You know, it's it's worth following. And There's we, a lot of worse people to follow on Twitter. And we will. You know, not only do we provide provide those articles, but we certainly enjoy interacting with the followers that we do have. So yeah, we we you know. Yeah, a lot of fun. We respond quickly too. Absolutely, I think. it's like we don't have a day job or something. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're, we're quick to respond and reply. So we are we are for the people, by the people, of the people. So mm-hmm. one last thing, I know I mentioned our Twitter handle earlier, but also you can find us on iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, the Role Players One, the Role Players. Just I'm sorry, players, just the Role yeah. Players on iTunes, and also. Um, the, and the, it's the role players with the microphone uh, uh, graphic, and also uh, you can also for our listeners that don't use um, iTunes. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, we're on SoundCloud, so you can download us there. So I just want to make sure everybody knows how to get. You know, if you found us by accident, that's how you can get a hold of yeah. our podcast weekly weekly podcast i don't get i don't consider myself a soundcloud artist when i get that out there <laughs> i know there's a lot of soundcloud artists out there i'm no we just happen to be on there so anyway man we Let's had a uh, we had a spectacle this past weekend and i could not i got invited to two showings of this and had a fantasy football draft that went from 10 o'clock to about twelve thirty. so i completely mm-hmm. missed this but Tell well, you would have made. I mean, at twelve thirty, you would have would have just been starting, because it went even later. You know, I expected it to to the fight to start around eleven thirty or twelve, and uh, and it was delayed even longer. I think it was probably twelve fifteen or so before it started, because they were having outages, cable outages in That's like right. California and Florida, and like different, not all from the same provider. So like Comcast might be, Directv might be, they're online. And I guess it was, it was just due to the heavy traffic that they they didn't see coming, so they tried to delay it as long as they could, so that everybody that ordered the fight would get it, because they they said they didn't want to lose money, and um, that was their motivation there, is not to lose the money from people calling and saying, hey, we missed the fight. So it didn't start until 12:15 or so, and uh, it was a a very late start. Um, the fight was actually more entertaining than I thought it would be. It went longer than I thought it would, and it's kind of predictable 
um, the flow of the, the fight. Like, you knew that McGregor was going to come out and be aggressive early. And Mayweather, like he typically does in his fights, his first few rounds, he's he plays more defense and kind of kind of tries to tries to pick up the you know kind of the style of, of who he's fighting and and see what he's doing before he really goes on offense. So the first the first three rounds, really McGregor won those three rounds and he he landed some solid punches. But after that, you could see he started to wear down. I mean, he just wasn't he's just not used to going that long. And as it went on, after about round six, it was pretty one-sided. So by round eight, nine, ten, especially when they got the uh, when the ref called it, I mean, McGregor looked drunk. I mean, yeah. he, he really did. His eyes, you know, had, he had a kind of an empty stare, and he was kind of stumbling around. And that's when Floyd was just kind of unleashing on him, and he would have he would have knocked him out pretty quickly because McGregor was, you know, just like a. Sitting duck out there. He was um, he was gonna get knocked out sooner rather than later. So they went ahead and stopped it. And in shocking news, they were best friends afterwards. Isn't you know, funny. Hey, we we both just made over a hundred million dollars. Right. Go, that's, they uh, so they as usual they become best friends. They have so much respect for each other. They had a little press conference the day after, and they're laughing and joking and uh, all the way to the bank. Yeah, yeah. Mayweather's. Uh, his promoter even invited McGregor to their strip club. So that's, you know, the good, good buddies. So it was it was entertaining. It was worth it, I think. I, I did hear that, you know, I had mentioned if I'm McGregor, why not just start kicking him or whatever, that if he had, had done any MMA moves, he would have lost his, his pay cut, basically, paycheck. He mm-hmm. wouldn't have made any money, and he could have been open to civil litigation. So... <laughs> That's the reason he didn't start kicking and elbowing it. There were a few times like he would kind of tap him on the top of the head, um, and and which was not which was illegal in boxing. So do you think that was a signal for for Floyd to stop hitting him so much? <laughs> or so for he would, you could just see his instinct would start. And Floyd was doing this thing where when McGregor, if he started kind of getting into him, Floyd would turn around and turn his back and kind of duck over, which was was really weak, but. And McGregor would wrap his arms around his stomach, and you could just tell he wanted to suplex him, like pick him up and throw him down. So I think his he had to really show restraint and discipline not to kind of kick into to what he's used to doing and just go ballistic. And but it was worth it was worth maybe not worth the money, but it was it was a good fight. It was better than I expected it to be. Well, I think the people, most of the people, the majority of the people got what they wanted—a fight that went about ten rounds and. Yeah, uh, it, it went a full ten rounds, not about ten rounds, excuse me, or or it was in stop stop in ten yeah. rounds. So so nine plus rounds. Uh, McGregor, good showing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're talking about a fish out of water. I I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I have any more or any less respect for McGregor for for taking this fight. Um, I admire the guy. I, I never once thought any less of McGregor had he not fought Floyd. Yeah. Um, lot more people know about him than right. he did, though. You know, that's where... That's one thing Floyd is good at. It's bringing in money. I, I, wanted, I wanted to... I would be interested to see... Like, if they had done, like... Alright, three rounds boxing, one round MMA. <laughs> three rounds boxing, just to kind of even it out. I don't know, that would have yeah. been entertaining. Uh, Floyd probably would have just curled up in a ball in the corner and, and waited Submit, it out. Yeah. But that would, that would have really been fun to mix them together. But yeah, kudos for stepping into... A completely different world and giving it a go against one of the best to ever do yeah. it. Yeah, no doubt. So, enough about that. One, you know, one more thing we do want to talk about. Just to, probably won't spend more than a, a couple minutes on this, but man, we we talked about a trade last week, a big trade in the NBA between the Celtics and the Cavaliers, and now there's a trade hang up because it looks like the Cavaliers are getting some damaged goods, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, little hip hip issues with with Isaiah Thomas and just they knew he had a hip injury. I, just, I guess they just didn't know the extent of it, or maybe he's not healed up like they maybe, thought he would be. But maybe maybe the Cavaliers are playing country dumb. Knew he had a hip injury, got him over there, and said, "And eh, we want more." Yeah, Jay give Crow- us more. Jay Crowder and and Zaza or Zizi or Zazu was not enough for. 
for the for the Cavaliers. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but you can't. You know, you're so, not going to take Kyrie back. At this no, you're point. not. So more to come. Well, we we do believe they'll work that out. It's, yeah. That trade's got to happen. Uh, but just in case you didn't hear, there's a there's a trade snafu and a little hiccup. Uh, so uh, anyway, first week, first real week of college football. Four games we're going to preview this week. All right, mm-hmm. we got. West FedEx, Fr- Field. FedEx Field, Landover, Maryland, mm-hmm. West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Yep. We go to That's De- on Sunday, by the way. That is on Sunday. Sunday. Yes. Uh on Saturday Saturday, right? Florida, Michigan. Yeah, three thirty. Uh, in I would say Dallas, but is it really in Dallas, Arlington, Texas? Ar- okay, Arlington, yeah. thank you. A suburb of Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, or the Dallas MSA. Florida, a depleted Florida team taking on a a brand new Michigan team, Very essentially depleted. losing more than ten percent of your of your team there to suspensions, and a new one that just came down. And you're starting running back in Jordan Scarlett. That's your best receiver, your best running back, and eight other guys. Yeah, so, so that's we'll, not the way you want to we'll get come into, out the gate. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes. And uh, for for those we mentioned earlier, those in Atlanta on Labor Day, uh, Tennessee coming down here with their summer teeth, taking on the bugs and their protractors at the newly minted Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, the home that Arthur Blank built. And then... Uh, A battle of, of ugly colors in that one, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, Not to go fashion on you, but... Yeah. Man, those are very attractive. I'll tell you what, there's nothing worse than me than that honeycomb helmet that the, the Georgia Tech yellow jackets uh, wore a couple of years ago. It's kind of ugly. I don't know, that orange is... Like the worst version of orange you could come up with. Who's got the worst fight song? No. <laughs> the Tennessee's for the simple fact that you hear it 50 times a game. The Rocky Top. Mm. I don't know. I'm sure that's not their official fight song. I don't know if it is, but that's all they play. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, to top it off, really the, the coup de grace for the weekend, which probably should be the Monday night game, but it's Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you've got a top... Top five, top three matchup with yeah. number one Alabama taking on Florida State uh, in Atlanta. Mercedes Benz, what a way uh, to start off the college football season with that high-profile matchup. So, I believe it's the highest rank, the the high matchup of the highest ranked teams maybe that there's ever been to start the year, a one and three, at least in the last twenty years. So kudos to those guys. Let's let's start off. I mean, we let's start off with with. West Virginia, Virginia Tech, it, and probably of the four, the least relevant to the fans down here. Yeah, Southeastern fans. The reason we picked this game is because it matched two top twenty-five teams. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we wanted is to to pick out highlight the biggest matchups. I guess you can consider West Virginia in the South. Uh, I probably. Include them, but I mean, yeah, sure, sure. Uh-huh. They they certainly have a lifestyle similar to very what southern, you might have li- very southern life from two guys who <laughs> grew up in the south. I would think that folks in West Virginia yeah, very would Appalachian fit right in yeah. in in the in the southeast. So West Virginia taking on Virginia Tech. Uh, West Virginia leads this series 28-21 and twenty eight. Wins uh, to Virginia Tech's 21 losses. There's one tie in the series. And the last matchup uh, was 12 years ago. 12 years ago. And it's just kind of odd time. for those two teams that uh, yeah. former, big, former Big East rivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, October 1st, 2005, Virginia Tech beat West Virginia 34-17. Uh, Daniel, what, you know, uh, another Florida – we talked about Florida suspensions a couple of uh, minutes minutes ago, but a, a, a player who was suspended, expelled, or kicked off, uh, dismissed from the University of Florida, Willie Greer, or maybe he goes by Will Greer, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Well, he was suspended and then he transferred. Okay, so technically, to save his name, Grace, you know, we, he he wasn't kicked off, but yeah, PED from a he said an over-the-counter supplement that contained a performance-enhancing drug, and so he decided to bowl. Uh, was he buying these from a pharmacy, a street pharmacy in Macon, Georgia? Because <laughs> we've had a rash of bad drugs come out of Macon, Georgia, 
And uh, not to kid yeah. about, you know, about drug ODs, guys. Please don't use drugs, but um, yeah, you, you got it. So he had something, something funny that got him suspended for a year, and and decided to to transfer out. And he he was was really good as a freshman at Florida, especially the second half of the year. And they were really excited about him, and that kind of I think that set them back. Florida set them mm-hmm. back a good bit. So it's interesting to see how he comes out and does for West Virginia in their offense. Well, he's, they're replacing Skylar Howard, a quarterback who threw for over 3,300 yards for Dana Holgerson in the Mountaineers. Uh, the, the Mountaineers, 10-3 and three last season, pretty good year. Uh, got beat by the Hurricanes in the bowl game. Dana Holgerson runs that funky 3-3-5 defense. Um, uh, the plus that may – something that might help the learning curve for Greer in that offense is return of running back Justin Crawford, who ran for over 1,100 yards, but only four rushing touchdowns. Georgia so. guy. Yeah. Georgia boy. Yeah. So you, you, you've got that going for you at West Virginia. Uh, a, a pretty solid quarterback, but I don't think Greer ever threw for any more than 1,200 or 1,300 yards, Daniel. Um, so we, that much remains to be seen about how he fits into this West Virginia offense uh, and whether they'll be burning couches in the streets of Morgantown. <laughs> um, as they're prone to do. As, you know, because what else are you going to do in Morgantown, West Virginia, when you beat your rival? Yeah, I was I was looking at the, the stats of them last year offensively against top 50 defenses and defenses outside the top 50. And they, they really struggled against the – Top 50 defenses they played, it was like two completely different offenses. Um, you know, it's Miami and I forgot the other teams. But they put up a lot of numbers against against worse defenses, but against the really good defenses, they they struggled to put up points. So this Bud Foster and Virginia Tech, you know, they're always solid defensively. So the Mountaineers could have a hard time scoring, I think, in my opinion. Uh, they will also just of note they will be Mountaineers will be without one of their wide receivers, Marcus Sims, uh, suspended. He's got a one-game suspension for conduct detrimental to the team. Uh, that's gonna hurt. That certainly will slow. I think slow down. Maybe may slow down the Mountaineer offense. Uh, the good thing for West Virginia, uh, to me, is that Virginia Tech is without a a proven starter starter at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, the early indications are that Josh Jackson will be the starter. Um, they also have transfer A.J. Bush and then uh, freshman uh, Hendon or Herndon Hooker, excuse me. Um, that's a great last name. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were 8-4 and four last season. Uh, Virginia Tech was. They lost three of their top four running backs. Jared Evans, their starting quarterback, uh, was their leading passer and rusher last year. Uh, so, and a surprise early entry. Yeah, it didn't make a whole yeah. lot of sense to no. them. And they they probably they'd be in a lot better shape if he was still around. But hey, I guess he had to go to go chase his. But yeah, Virginia Tech they bring back uh, they bring back their leading receiver in, in Cam Phillips, nearly a thousand yards last year. Not a whole lot outside of that position. And and looking back at their early games to start the season in years past, they haven't had a whole lot of success in these big premier matchups to to start the season. You know, they Tennessee last year in week two. Of course, they they lost that when Bama smoked them in 2013 in the Chick Fil A uh, kickoff. Lost to Cincinnati, Boise State, Alabama, East Carolina, USC, going back to 2004. So hoping to turn the tide and in a time of year that hasn't always been too good for them. Yeah, so slow starters, maybe that's something that Coach Fuentes uh, can change in the culture of West – I'm sorry, excuse me, of Virginia Tech, uh, of just perennial perennial slow starters, and you don't want to – fortunately, I guess, for Virginia Tech, is this is – while it is a rivalry game – uh, for them, it doesn't count for anything in the conference. So mm-hmm. you got a chance to get some things right. But in terms of a national picture uh, for this team, you you certainly do want to take it uh, take it to these West Virginia Mountaineers. Mm-hmm. And you should. I mean, looking at the coaching matchups, I would give Virginia Tech a clear edge with Justin Fuentes and Bud Foster mm-hmm. uh, compared to Holgerson and the defensive coordinator. I think it's, I think it's Todd Gibson, something Gibson. So, 
I think Virginia Tech has the advantage. I can see it be. I could see it being. I would say something like a, you know, twenty-four seventeen game. Not. I don't think there will be a whole lot of fireworks offensively, which which probably means they'll come out. You know, and it'll be a thirty-eight to thirty-five game. Cause, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't see a whole lot of offense in this game. I wouldn't expect it, and uh, I'm expecting Virginia Tech to to come out on top there. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna disagree with you I think there will be some offense I think that uh, uh, Will Greer uh, finds some kind of holes in that Bud Foster defense and we know that defenses are, are better early uh, than offenses but I, I just feel like West Virginia's in that spread offense is going to be able to put we're not talking about Pat White here let's you know let's let's hmm. but I think Georgia were, fans have mm-hmm. nightmares of Pat White and Steve Slayton but, slicing them up but I think that uh both teams will score some points. I'm looking at maybe more of a uh, 31-27 Virginia Tech victory mm-hmm. uh, because West Virginia will not be able to stop the run. Yeah, late. And we're gonna do. We're gonna keep tabs on this too, right? So each week when we have these these matchups, these marquee matchups, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep track of our records, Art and I, our picks and how we do throughout the year and keep track and see who wins, you know, comes out on top at the end of the year and just our accuracy in general. So this is really the first the first of those um, picks that we're going to keep track of and see how we turn out looking back in retrospect. So we both we both think Virginia Tech wins. Absolutely. So I think it'll be a little more low scoring. You think it'll be higher scoring, but same outcome as far as the win and loss. Absolutely. Yeah. Next up, we go to Texas. Florida, Michigan, which which what's left of Florida is that the Florida Junior College at Jacksonville? Is that well, kudos, man, kudos to McElwain though because uh, Urban Meyer at Florida. Would Did not you say Ur- Urban Cryer Urban or Urban Me- Meyer? Coach Urban Myers. He would not. <laughs> he would not suspend ten players for for a big matchup. Probably even for a cupcake. You know, he didn't. Suspensions weren't really his thing. Regardless of what you did. So kudos to McElwain for suspending these guys for a big matchup too. You know, some coaches would say, hey, well, week two. I think you're going to be suspended for week two. That would be a good punishment. So he's uh, he's really handicapping himself by suspending Callaway and Scarlett and these other guys. And that's good to see. That's the honorable thing to do. It's, it's honorable. And in the grand scheme of things – I know we 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 just talked about national picture for Virginia Tech and what that win would mean for them to get off to a fast start. But in the grand scheme of things, Florida's most interested in getting right to win their third consecutive SEC title, mm-hmm. and they're they're playing. They I, I got to think the Gators or any other team in the SEC East firmly believes that a trip to Atlanta in December. Uh, and a win over the SEC West will, fir- will will place you into the college football playoffs. So yeah, uh, that should get you where you need to go. That's that's always the goal: division first, conference second. And these other games are they're fun. They they're great to win, but you don't have to have them. And that's not the primary the primary goal of the years. And to come out and beat Michigan in week one, and then right. so now it would be nice. Uh, I'm not a Harbaugh fan. It would be nice to see Michigan get beat. I just think the and Michigan's replacing ten starters on defense. Yeah, yeah. that's a whole lot. That's a you know that's an entire new team. Michigan does uh, they do get their quarterback Wilton Spate back. Uh, Spate got injured uh, with four games left in the season. Down the stretch, Michigan went one and three, um, nine and three uh, overall last season. Uh, Spate will have he's got a find some rhythm he's only got one I'm sorry one receiver with five catches coming back and Grant Perry so it's a a pretty young Michigan team all around I think they have six five or six starters returning on four on offense just four on offense okay so so lose a lot on both sides of the ball yeah receiver they're young very talented they Mm -hmm. they they recruited very well at the position they have a couple freshmen Nico Collins Tariq Black Tariq Black in particular is one that most people, I think, expect to be a big part of their passing offense. But, um, yeah, they gotta they got to return a lot. 
I mean, replace a lot. Fortunately for them, Florida's replacing a decent amount too, especially on defense and some key names and guys like Jalen Tabor, mm-hmm. Quincy Wilson, Jared Davis. So it's um, it's both teams suffered a lot of losses, you know, personnel losses mm-hmm. from last year. So, well, the the Michigan has a positive. It does have a quarterback returning, a proven quarterback. <laughs> Florida, uh, if you listen to McElwain, he says he's got three quarterbacks. And when you have three quarterbacks, yeah, you got no quarterbacks. You don't have any quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, so you've got Del, Luke Del Rio, Malik Zaire, and Felipe Franks. Mm-hmm. You know Zaire, the transfer from Notre Dame. We thought here's a guy with some game experience that could come in and probably wrestle that that um, starting position away uh, from Del Rio or Franks. I I gotta believe that. Del Rio will come out and be the starter. I could be. Think, I, I think he's the guy. Um, started four games for him last year. I it, Zaire only started three games at Notre Dame. I for some reason I was thinking he had started a lot more than that. I I think most people kind of assumed that Zaire would come in and just and win the job. But right. all all reports are that you know he hasn't been the most accurate passer. I, I think Felipe Franks is probably the most naturally talented gifted of the three but he's also the youngest and the least amount of experience so it's kind of a yeah it's kind of a a mess back there with nobody really separating themselves i saw a clip on twitter that was was talking i think it was an fsu fan that posted it but it was basically practice footage of passing and throwing from their quarterbacks to receivers and it was not pretty a lot of drops, a lot of overthrows, underthrows. I mean, it was a good two or three minutes of just, ugh. The worst receiving core. Um, and I, I don't want to put it all on the on the, on the the quarterback. I, I think it was just receivers. Well, just yeah, a lot of drops. Dropping balls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess that happens when you, you know, they do return Brandon Powell and DeAndre uh, Goolsby, but, you know, you don't have Antonio Callaway, mm-hmm. uh, big go-to target. What um, – Gosh, you, you, you can't, even with a, especially against a young defense, inexperienced defense, you've got to make those catches and make those plays. I'm going to tell you, I think this is one of those nasty grind-em-out games. Um, Michigan's going to look to run the ball against Florida. I think Florida, uh, their defense is ahead of their offense. Mm-hmm. I like the Wolverines to win this game by six. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go Michigan 19, Florida 13. Florida, 27 straight season openers they've won the first game of the season. Um, I'm with you. I I know that you – I think you were you had Florida winning until all these suspensions came down, correct? <laughs> that, I think I think I had Florida winning – was that the – our test – our pilot episode? Or yeah, our what? very first episode. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned Florida was going to win, and I kind of <laughs> – I was uh, that kind of raised my eyebrows too. That was before the suspensions. I just don't think offensively. I don't think they have enough to get it done. And with their losses on defense, and I think Harbaugh's Harbaugh is a, a far superior coach than McElwain. He's a character. He's weird. He has sleepovers at recruits' house houses. You know things is like that. that. Like the Michael Jackson of he's, he's college like football. That. He's just an odd. He's an odd fellow. But he can coach. Yes, he and, can. Um, yes, he can. And, and I, I trust, I mean, with what he did in the NFL going to San Francisco, who was a terrible team, and getting to the playoffs, and then what he's done at Michigan, a quick turnaround. I mean, he can coach. So I'm I'm with you. I, I could see, if I've got to throw a score out there, I'll say tw- mm, 24 to 13, Michigan. I, I just can't. Florida might get a touchdown, but I can't see – a whole lot of touchdowns for him. A lot of I could see a lot of field goals from from field goal Jesus down there, Eddie Pinheiro. Um, but I can't see them moving the ball very much against against Michigan without Callaway and Scarlett. I mean, that's it's a lot of production. It's going to be sitting on your bench in street clothes. Yeah, actually, they're not even making the trip, so they'll be yeah. they'll, they'll be at home uh, hanging out in their Florida Gator Gator sweatpants and uh in the words of uh of uh Kareem Brown one two three four five them dead gators don't take no job <laughs> go gator moving on to Atlanta Georgia Tech taking on Tennessee Georgia Tech. can I can I Tennessee can I annoy you for about 
10 seconds. Yeah. Rocket time, yeah. you'll yeah. always be home sweet home to me. Dear old rocket time. That is easy. You actually sound better than than their version of it does, I think. That was a, that was a quality effort. Well, that was a remix, so we... Uh, and they're going to need to hear, they play that when they score. They're, I think they're going to need to hear that and play that and score a lot to, to keep up with Georgia Tech, to beat Georgia Tech this weekend. And I just... Uh, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Georgia Tech without Dedrick Mills, and you say they're still going to yeah. run all over okay. Tennessee? Yeah, I, think, I think they will. First off, they were 4-0 last year in games Dedrick Mills missed. And I, I just don't think, I think that system, it doesn't matter all that much what pieces are there? And and they're not. It's not like a, a team that's full of four and five stars either. You know, he he doesn't recruit particularly well, but he recruits to his system and it and it works. So I don't. I'm not as concerned with what pieces are missing, because I don't think that Tennessee is going to be able to to slow them down all that much. The cut blocking, all that stuff. I just I think that Tech is going to score at least 28 points. It, just in my opinion, they're they're going to. They're going to control the time of possession. And I don't think Tennessee can score enough to keep up with them. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I and I know they'll have a, a, a new starter, you know, replacing Thomas at quarterback. And I know Mills isn't there, and I know Marcus Marshall transferred out. But I don't think – just to me, it doesn't really matter all that much uh, in a game like this who it is. I think he the next guy will step up. Now it's – I mean, for the season overall, I, I think it could make a difference. I don't think for this game it's really going to matter all that much. Uh, here's a, To me, here's a tale of the tape. It's both these teams uh, lose a lot up front on their front, uh, front four on the defensive line. Will the back seven, uh, three linebackers, four defensive backs be able to come up and make tackles? One, uh, the Tennessee defense led by Elliott and Evan Berry – uh, and then the against the Georgia Tech, you know, whoever's playing that A back, B back, whether it's you know you got at the A back, you've got you know, Clinton Lynch, J.J. Green, and Quay Searcy, and whoever's playing the B back, that fullback position. Uh, so good athletes on that Tennessee defense, but can they come up and play assignment football? We've all we've seen Georgia Tech uh, that the offense really gets stymied against not not just an athletic team. But an athletic team that knows how to play assignment, a disciplined athletic team. So mm-hmm. they do have trouble against those type of teams. Can they cause some turnovers? Can they make can they uh, make uh, Matthew Jordan uncomfortable at quarterback? Can they hit him a couple times, force a turnover on that pitch? Because we've seen that happen with Georgia Tech. A new quarterback, uh, and, and I say new quarterback, new starter, and Jordan has has some snaps under center, so he's not a, a Johnny Come Lately. But they've got to get some pressure on on Tech. The thing that Tennessee has for them is they've had all summer to prepare for Georgia Tech. Yeah, it's it's much more difficult, in my opinion, to, to face Georgia Tech uh, in the middle of the season without mm-hmm. a bye week. So I it's think definitely that, an advantage to have time to prepare. But you can't you you still can't simulate that that offense and especially that blocking scheme and with a scout team. You know, mm-hmm. guys that are trying to cut block, but as opposed to guys that are, you know, that's that's all they do and that's all they know and are very good at it. It's just it's just so difficult to prepare for. I mean, Georgia plays them every year and all these ACC teams too, but Georgia in particular, we play them every year and a lot of times we play Georgia Southern the week before, which is also a triple option team. And so you'd think there's familiarity and but it's still it's still so hard to to slow down. And you wanna limit you wanna limit those those explosive plays, mm-hmm. you know, the big chunk plays, and try to make them earn it. But, man, they'll bleed you to death with three-yard runs, four-yard runs. Um, they'll hit you with a deep play-action pass. But it's those short runs that dive, and it's – and and Johnson, he, he rolls the dice a lot on fourth and short, too, and for good reason. And so it's just, like you said, they're rarely the most athletic team on the field. You know, the more athletic team when they play, but – it's it's discipline. You're right. It's assignment football and not making mistakes because one little mistake, and they're gone. Yeah, you, you talk about the kind of the gamble mentality, and and I think 
Paul Johnson, he, he says, hey, I just go on feel. I feel we can make this play, and I feel like I've got the right play call, and we call it. And you, you mentioned it. It's Tech will hit you with three yards, four yards, two yards, and then all of a sudden it's that fullback who you didn't expect to get the ball. Yeah. And he's he's full of cameraman and everybody else because he's down at you know twenty yards down the field before mm-hmm. they, anybody can figure out he's got the football. Paul Johnson is he the ACC's version of Steve Spurrier in terms of innovative offense? And you, you can say this triple option is not that innovative, but the way they run an innovative offense, Gruff doesn't really care what you think about him. Dry sense of humor, likes to poke jabs at his opponents. Yeah, I don't see, and I mean, there's only one Spurrier. I don't, I don't think he's as. Um, Spurrier was was very honest. He did have a sense of humor. He liked jabbing people. I don't see the personality that Spurrier had with Johnson. I just see. I think he called him a curmudgeon. That's kind of <laughs> what I see. Not a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of charisma to me. So I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, maybe their version of him. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't really see him as a as a Spurrier. Tennessee has some defensive injuries, as they always seem to have. They have a lot of injuries, and a lot of a lot of players get hurt up there on their field. Uh, other teams coming in and, and up there, but so Darren Kirkland, middle linebacker, it, it is out for the game. That's a key, and that spot in particular on on defense against the triple option. You've mm-hmm. got to have somebody in the middle there that can recognize, get everybody where they need to be. So that's a big loss. Um, they're really Justin Martin at cornerback is, is a key piece. They got Nigel Warrior at safety, who is, you know, from from Georgia. He's a big hitter, but it's Khalil McKenzie at, at defensive tackle and Jonathan Congbo at end. But there's a lot of they're banged up and they're not all that experienced. And it's that's that's a, a heck of a task to come out in week one. You know, remember Appalachian State last year took them to overtime in week one, and they had. A far more talented and experienced team, I think, back then. So, I just don't see. I, I think Tennessee would have to score a minimum of 28 points to win this game. And I don't see. I mean, they lose so much. They bring back Juwan Jennings. Um, John Kelly's a tough running back, but it's either going to be Quentin Dorbity or Jarrett Wump. Well, Rontano, Gu- Gu- I don't know. Gu- Guantanamo is what I call him. Guarantano. Yeah. So, so one of them at quarterback, and I just I don't see any way that they can that they can keep up with Georgia Tech. I mean, I could easily see this being like a 35-24 game. You know, like double digit win by Tech would not surprise me at all. I would be very surprised if Tennessee won this game. Very surprised. I would not be shocked at all. If Tennessee won this football game, really, would not be shocked at all. Here's the thing, though: we we go back to this. If you got two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest problem. And we talked about it during our ACC preview. What what makes Tech dangerous in the ACC Coastal Division is the fact that their quarterback is hitting the ball off. He's not passing it 17 to 25 to 32 times a game as a as a newly minted starter. He's passing the ball maybe 10 times a game, cut down on his decision-making going down the field. It's a read of the linebacker or defensive end. I think that's going to be the difference is familiarity with their offense versus Tennessee's young quarterbacks. Uh, I say young, inexperienced quarterbacks. I like Georgia Tech to win this game, but I don't think they're going to score 35 points. I think it's uh, um, uh, 27-16 Georgia Tech over Tennessee. Okay. I'll, for my uh, For an official prediction – Score prediction. I will. I'll say 35-24 Tech. Okay. All right. So we've got... We've got one, three in the books. Three in the books, one left. One big one to go. As as my one of my favorite announcers, Keith Jackson, used to say, that it's, it's the granddaddy of them all for this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff. Classic. It's, it, it's going to be tough because... Georgia kicks off at 7.15. This game kicks off at 8. And You're not watching Georgia Appalachian State, man. You don't think I am? I'll be watching this, too. I'll be watching this primarily. But, man, this is going to be tough. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'll watch the first 45 minutes, and then I'll, I'll record it and watch the rest of the Georgia game later. But, man, that's it. That's how eager I am to see 
our season started that for a minute I, I was like, well, maybe I'll flip over and catch Bama. But, yeah, I'll, I'll be watching Bama Florida <laughs> State. That's just too much. Unless Bama just rolls them in the first half and it's not competitive, and I don't, I don't see that happening. But hey, I'm just saying there's a little bit of conflict there. Look, game's at 8 o'clock. I'm sure I will get ready to sit down and watch this game, and my kids will tell me that uh, the Lego Batman movie's coming on and, and that they had reserved the TV the last six weeks for this movie, and I'll be ostracized and relegated to a smaller TV in a lesser-known area of the house. Look, Florida State, uh, a team that is uh, three years removed uh, from a – National title game, three or four years? Is it? Yeah, 2013. Four years removed from the Five national? of the, the last eight national titles between the two schools. Of so, course, one has one and the other has four. But, but That's a great stat. Yeah, uh, 15 straight openers won by, by Alabama. That's in Nick Saban. And I don't, he gets good competition. Yeah, he, he doesn't lose to his former assistants. That's the other thing about Nick right. Saban. Right, he never has. never has. He's lost 11 to a and 0. He, so. Right. And he doesn't lose openers with these games, or most of the time games that he has a lot of time to prepare for. They just rarely lose. So, tall now, task for the Seminoles. Well, I tell you, Alabama lost a little bit of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I think here's the thing that we don't we, – we, it gets lost in translation. With most teams, you lose uh, two or three first, second, third-round picks. You think, how, how do we come back and reload – Nick Saban has done a phenomenal job of recruiting four- and five-star athletes, so I'm sure there are some guys that we've not heard of before uh, that will show up and become new household names. Mm-hmm. Uh, a name that we have heard before and one of my favorite first names, I, I, I should have thought of this first, Minka Fitzpatrick Minka. at the safety position, hard-hitting Beast. safety uh, for Alabama. Uh, I, here, here's the to me. Here's what's going to happen with Alabama. I don't think they score as many defensive touchdowns this season uh, as as they has last that last couple of seasons. They'll still be fine around the football. They'll be athletic. Um, the 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 matchup between the Alabama secondary and Florida State's young, youthful wide receivers is going to be a big issue. You got Florida State. Uh, missing their top, I think was it four out of their five top receivers are gone, if not the if not their four best, excuse me. You do have uh, Nyquan Murray and Auden Tate coming back, but uh, these guys have to step up. And it, it's actually yeah, it was Florida State's top four receivers are gone. Uh, you can't mention Florida State without mention, mentioning Derwin James. Um, yeah, you got Minka on one side, Derwin James. That's probably maybe the, probably two, best the two best safeties, safeties in, in the country. country yeah. yeah, yeah, facing off against each other. And Derwin, uh, we'll see if he's back to 100% from his injury. But but when he's healthy and out there, he's as good as anybody in, in changing the game from that position. Uh, no Demarcus Walker for Florida State. Uh, but the Seminoles, I mean, in, in that front seven, front they'll be tasked with. Probably another run first Alabama offense uh, behind Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris, and Big Bo Scarborough. Yeah, um, Najee Harris, the the freshman, he was a number one running back in the country by some services. Um, so he'll step in there. But yeah, Scarborough. I mean, Derrick Henry 2.0. We right. saw last year what he, he means just, to them. Yeah. At the end of the year, uh, big bruising guy. That's that's going to be a lot to a lot to try to slow down. And you wonder how much. Um, the offense will change from Kiffin, you know, who who aired it out more than Alabama historically has under Saban. You wonder how much uh, Brian DeBole is it DeBole or Daybole? I think it's DeBole. DeBole. You wonder how much he'll he'll be a ground and pound guy versus airing it out and and throwing it around because you've really, you've really got plenty of talent at running back and wide receiver for them. To um to do really whichever one you want to so we'll see we'll see how they uh, how they choose to attack Florida State but I I'm with you I have to think first and foremost they're gonna try to pound it yeah I think that's that's the uh, I, I think that's Nick Saban's mo when you talk about uh, Lane Kiffin being a pass first kind of guy maybe that contributed to some of the poor statistical outings for Jalen Hurts uh, just. Not a lot of development there for the freshman, which 
it's to be expected. You're passing the ball all over the field. Um, but he's got another year under his belt, does hurts, mm-hmm. and got a new offensive coordinator. So I think that his best friend is those three backs, three or four backs that we mentioned, yeah. and letting that Alabama offensive line go to work against an aggressive Florida State defense. And, and you know, you, you, you know that, you know, Derwin James will be lurking back there in the in the backfield, and Florida State's going to get after the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, always an aggressive attacking defense uh, for the Seminoles. Great secondary. Yeah. Going up against the receiver core. I mean, Alabama's got talent. Everybody knows how good Calvin Ridley is. Mm-hmm. I believe Robert Foster's back. And then you brought in – they brought in three freshmen uh, highlighted by Jerry Judy out of Florida That's that's been compared to Ridley and Amari Cooper. Um, so that secondary against Bama's wide receivers on the edge will be – that's going to be a battle of, of, you know, a lot of talent there on both sides of the ball. So I think I think a lot of it will come down to Florida State's pass rush and how effective they can be getting to Hurts and they because they've got you know Brian Burns and then on the other side Josh Sweat two mm-hmm. great pass rushers mm-hmm. but Hurts I mean he's elusive he can it's make that, you hurt what, what do they call it? escapability is right that... so do you try to contain him do you try to flush him out I don't know on the other side of the ball DeAndre Francois was sacked thirty four times last year. That's a lot. That's a beating. They they tell me that Florida State's offensive line can't get any worse. Well, <laughs> you never think that. He's got two receivers starting out with any significant college playing time. Mm-hmm. They do have uh, Jock Patrick and uh, Cam Akers at running back to, mm-hmm. re- to try and replace Derwin James. Okay. Dalvin Cook. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I don't even like saying that guy's name because he was yeah, a, he tormented he tormented my University of Miami Hurricanes. So yeah, but you, you, at running back to try to replace Cook, um, Florida State lost their best offensive lineman. They have started last season. They started nine different offensive linemen. Uh, I, I believe six of those guys are back. So you do have game experience for mm-hmm. Florida State on the offensive line, but. You're not talking about coming out and playing uh, Bethune Cookman or Florida A and M, or uh, or even mighty Al- Appalachian State yeah, or Alabama State. <laughs> I mean, you just this is a very yeah you know tough defense and and like like Hurts, you know Francois got some escapability. Otherwise, he would have been sacked fifty times last season. Yeah, he would have been he would have been hurt quite a bit last year if he if he didn't. You're right. You're not. That, and Alabama loses a lot of players to the draft every year in the first round and the second round defensively, and it just doesn't really seem to matter because they've got so many five-stars on the bench just waiting to come up next. I mean, a guy like Reuben Foster, who is, is as good as he was, and he didn't really do a whole lot until his junior year because he didn't need to. Mm-hmm. And I know Rashawn Evans has kind of stepped into Reuben Foster's shoes and is expected to be the next great linebacker there after they've had so many, you know, C.J. Mosley, going back to – I mean, you could rattle off ten names. But they lose a lot, but uh, I don't think – I don't know how much of a drop-off you'll see because we never do. Now, one of them might shoot themselves or get shot in the leg right. again, like Raquan Davis did um, this past week for Alabama. But other than that happening, it's going to be – I mean, they just – they reload. The secondary is tough. The, the, the front seven is nasty. And, you know, until we're proven otherwise, you should just, I think at this point, expect Alabama just to be nasty on you. Here's the bottom line. If I, I think Florida State can afford to lose this game 31-21, 31-27. They can't afford to lose this game 45-7. If you want to talk about being in the picture for the national title game – Seminoles are my odds-on favorite to win the ACC and to make another appearance in the uh, in the college football playoff. I think by then Florida State will have righted any wrongs, but too early in the season against a extremely talented Alabama team. Uh, I've got. I don't think Alabama will blow, blow Florida State out. I think they will jump on Florida State early, and I think that Florida State. Battles back, makes it interesting in the third quarter. Alabama scores late, uh, wins by eight points. I'm going to go Alabama 31, Florida State 23. Okay, yeah. I, I really – this is one I actually – I should have 
um, thought about the score ahead of time. But I haven't I haven't really uh, tried to come up with a score pr- prediction for this. I think, like you, I think Bama offensively will kind of, won't jump out to a red hot start. I think they'll they'll run the ball. I could see them, you know, having 13, 14 points at halftime, and then I think they wear down Florida State in the second half, get a couple turnovers. I'll I'll say I'll say Bama 31, FSU. It's either 17 or 20. I'll say we'll give FSU 20. 20 points. 31-20. So to recap, we both have Virginia Tech. Well, we got the same picks. Virginia Tech, Michigan, Georgia Tech, Bama. Yeah. So that's up and down. All right. That I don't know how often that'll happen, but we think alike. Week one. For for folks local to the to the area, just run down Kennesaw State traveling to uh, Birmingham to take on Sanford. Jacksonville University coming in to play Mercer. That is a Division three school versus Division one AA. Look for Mercer to roll there. And Reinhardt, the uh, made it to the Reinhardt College in Waleska, Georgia, mm-hmm. just uh, up the road. Yeah, playing, taking on Cincinnati Christian last year. They beat the brakes off of Cincinnati Christian, seventy-three to nothing. Seventy-three to nothing. That's, how do you how do you give that's up? That's mean. That's yeah, just mean. That's not very nice. And a Christian school too, right? Right. Come on. Hey man, they, one thing we you know we 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 did want to mention. Uh, we talk sports, but something that that's real is, and, and I think JJ Watt has done a, th- a phenomenal job with this. Just the amount of rain, the flooding that has fallen in Houston, man. It's insane. The pictures don't do it do it justice. I think. And a friend of mine lives there, and he's he's sent pictures and videos of it, and it's just it's hard to imagine. Mm-hmm. And especially for me, the, the the videos of these snakes and the fire ants and the gators there. And I I heard an interview with a woman. She was interviewing a, a dad, and he was carrying a plastic bin, and inside it he had his, his eight-month-old who just recently had surgery. And so they had him inside like a plastic bin trying to keep him wow. dry. And all the stories, it's just uh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it kind of puts it's sports like, in the background. It, you know, and, and even to that, I've got in, in my nine-to-five job, I've got a colleague who uh, he and his wife just had twins, and they had to evacuate, leave their home uh, to go further away inland uh, because they were forced to evacuate just mm-hmm. just strange how you know we it's it's easy for us to here and sit here and talk sports but um just you know if we can leave you with a, a, a maybe a more down-to-earth moment of if you have an opportunity to do something for somebody else to love one another mm-hmm. uh to to show the better side of humanity especially uh, when someone our fellow man is in need we we certainly encourage you to do that and pay it forward and there's a lot of ways to do it too. Mm-hmm. You don't have to not just monetary donations, but you can take bottles of water, drop them off. I know WSB is is accepting water. I mean, there's there's tons of ways to do it, and it's pretty easy. And all of it would be appreciated. And we you you mentioned sports, and it's it's trivial compared to this, but and a lot of uh, a lot of figures, a lot of organizations, players are contributing a, a lot, and it's great mm-hmm. to see it's great to see all of these athletes and teams come together and, and donate and try to help out there. The, uh, the one, one thing I did see that I loved on Twitter was uh, a guy from Louisiana. I don't know who he is, some random guy, but he it was a picture of, of a bunch of trucks and boats, and he said the Cajun Navy is on its yes, way. Yes, 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 yes. And that, that's, it, it reminded me of swamp people, man, those yeah. good old Louisiana people always willing to help out whenever they can. But that's stuff like that. You're right, seeing the, the positive side when we're just – we're just bombarded, it seems, every day with negativity and conflict and, and division. So Tell you what, con- country kind of divided in some aspects. Uh, just a little segue into this. Uh, something that hasn't happened since 1995 uh, in an Olympic sport, U.S. men's freestyle wrestling team won their first world team title. I, I know wrestling doesn't get a whole lot of coverage, but just a, a something that maybe – more often we should get behind USA. We, I feel like we only have national pride every four years during the Olympics. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And so I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Congratulations to the U.S. men's freestyle wrestling team. That's not professional wrestling. No, that not is WWE. not. I, I did see someone on, on Facebook want us to cover uh, uh, professional wrestling. And, yeah, um, yeah. That would be Andrew, my, my buddy Andrew, yeah. who's, who's as hardcore as it comes. He's out yeah. Jeopardy champion Andrew actually, ah, yes, which yes, is yes, two yes, things yes. you put together is, um, 
multiple Jeopardy champion and professional wrestling. Those those go hand in hand. Just like Dragon Con in college football. Yeah, yeah. That's so um, so Andrew, one day I told him we'll we'll have him on to break down some some WWE at some point. That'll probably be in the in the lean months. That might yeah. be like a July thing. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. <laughs> our Christmas special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be our nothing else. Let's break that down. So. Uh, wild card today, man, mm-hmm. and then we'll get out of here. Technology and sports. We we, mm-hmm. we what innovations in sport? What in technology have made sports either easier to watch, more interactive, or engaging for the for the you know armchair quarterback yeah. or for the you know armchair coach or however you want to call it? Yeah, different. Out of all of them, I know there there's been a ton. Some of them haven't been you know, as effective as, as others or improved um, the viewing experience as others. To me, the, the two best, the, the, the best, the clear favorite uh, cut, number one to me, is the first down line in the line of scrimmage in mm-hmm. football, that yellow line. Because that, before that, it, it, it just made it so much easier to follow and know, you know, what, what yard you have to gain. So that, to me, is, is like the number one. But the other one that I enjoy the most is in golf, the pro tracer technology, mm-hmm. watching the ball flight. Because before that, I don't think a lot of people realize the movement that these guys put on the ball uh, on the PGA Tour and just the different shapes, drawn in, fading it, and everything. So it's that's the, the other one to me that, that I love watching is the pro tracer in golf. I could watch that over and over. But what about you? Me, I'm I'm a baseball guy, and I, the first down marker is great. And and one of the things that does annoy me is a field goal range line. I, that that's yeah. kind of getting on my nerve. That's taking a little bit too far. But baseball, I love the K zone, man. I will tell you why. I like you know when an umpire is off, I kind of like to see mm-hmm. when he's off. But you get an idea of where that pitch was in relation to what the strike zone is because it's so uh, subjective. Uh, the strike zone in Major League Baseball, they have a parameter, but Gives you a good idea of where the ball is, and 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 since I said that, I want to say the most useless stat or, or thing I've seen this season is this idea of exit velocity, how fast the ball leaves the park or leaves the bat. I mean, come on, I, I'm watching the game. If a guy hits a ball hard, we know it's crushed. Okay, it's, yeah. I don't need anybody to tell me how fast the ball is leaving the park. Or you how need fast an advanced traveling. metric to tell you Absolutely. to judge the no. What I mean. All you need for for home runs is distance, right? You don't need to say, well, that was a 390-yard home run. But, you know, his exit velocity wasn't quite as high as, you know, so-and-so. Yeah, that doesn't seem to matter to me. Yeah, but he's batting 307 with 36 home runs. So let's let's go back to the stats that matter. So... What about you guys? I mean, any advancements? We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. We'll put it out there on, on Twitter. Yeah. Hey, or what? any failures, too. Right. I know in, um, in the NFL, I forgot what network it was, that um, a couple of years ago they would they would do the scrimmage line, but they would, they would, instead of the typical black, the scrimmage line, they would customize to whatever team was playing. Yeah. So, like, the, the Buffalo Bills might have, like, a red line. The Packers would have, like, a green line. And then the Broncos had an orange line, which looked exactly like the first down line, and it was just confusing and terrible. So that's one that that you kind of thought, eh, don't. I mean, don't sounds tinker like with. Don't get too cute. Something stupid ESPN would do. Is what yeah, it yeah, like. yeah. So there's there's been some that haven't been as as popular as others. One that I've always thought could help the casual viewer in hockey is to highlight the puck because a lot of people have a hard time tracking. Where that is, no, although they, you, I thought they did track something about the puck. I didn't think it was the entire game, but I thought they did have a puck. They might at times, but it's okay, not. not it's full not time. Right, 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 right during the game. So um, the other really cool one that I forgot to mention is in tennis, where they'll show you the ball on the line. Yeah, you know that one is cool to be able to sit there and look and exactly know where the ball hit, where the shot was in, where it was out. So that's another one to me is is really cool. Basketball doesn't doesn't really have anything, but it doesn't really need anything, no, I doesn't. don't think. I think the only thing you do is go to replay to see if somebody's foot was on the line, right? Yeah. And, or check the time at, at a certain... Which we both think they do too much. Yeah, way too much down yeah. the stretch. Um, next week, we will review our picks. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about... Uh, we'll, 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 we'll give a rundown of those games, anything. Yeah. Preview week two's got a lot of good matchups. A ton of good matchups. Ohio State taking on Oklahoma. Georgia traveling to South Bend to take on Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. 
Clemson uh, going to Auburn? Yeah. Or Auburn, Auburn going, going to Clemson? Clemson yeah, so, so a couple games we'll, we'll uh, look to preview. Uh, if you have any beef, dis, uh, disagreement, uh, mm-hmm. comment, or question about our picks, we'd love to hear it. We'll post mm-hmm. them out on the on the uh, interstate, uh, as my dad used, uh, my father-in-law <laughs> used to call it. Uh, any fearless Twitter. predictions, too, if you want to compare to us at the end of the year, if you want to match up week to week and see – uh, if you're smarter than us, if you know more than us, which is very likely, um, yeah, put your picks out there, and we'll we'll see how we do. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are going to get out of here. Another week in the books, man. Thanks we, for listening. We, we appreciate it. Yeah. At uh, once again, you you can listen to us uh, on iTunes. The role players, uh, we are the uh, the role players with the avatar, the microphone. Mm-hmm. You can also find us on SoundCloud, but we are not. SoundCloud artist, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, we can be found on SoundCloud. Not party next door. No, and uh, on Twitter at the T H E Role Players. That's T H E R O L E P L A Y E R S, and the number one. Mm-hmm. Once again, our opinions don't matter. You should listen to them anyways. Y'all stay safe. Everybody pray for Houston. Enjoy mm-hmm. the action this weekend. Take care, guys. Bye.